And I could hear it in her voice that there was big trouble right around the corner. And so I made plans to drive to her school. And unbeknownst to me, that was the night that she attempted to take her life. Good morning, friends. This is Brenda Yoder with the Midlife Moms Podcast, and I am so excited to have with me my dear friend, Lori Wildenberg. She is the author of Messy Hope, and it's a book about um, helping helping you walk with your children through um, anxiety, depression, and suicidal ideation. Lori is also the author of two other books about messy parenting. Lori, do you want to tell us a little bit about those books too? Oh, sure. So um, The Messy Life of Parenting, Powerful and Practical Ways to Strengthen Family Connection. Uh, that was um, really the the basis for that book is almost the basis for all my other books. Um, I wish I'd written that one first. That book is all about interdependence, which we're going to be talking a little bit about today as well, how important that is um, for us to be in interdependent relationships as opposed to um, raising our kids to be independent. We'll touch on that a little bit. Um, but that that book has um, been very helpful to people so that they're able to have some thriving relationships and um, relationships within their families that are hopefully stronger because they've implemented some of the tools. And then the other messy book that I think you're referring to is Messy Journey, How Grace and Truth Offer the Prodigal Away Home. And uh, that's one big topic, Brenda. <laughs> so maybe someday we'll have to talk about that. But um, yeah, we never expect to have a prodigal, especially when we think that we've um, raised our kiddos in the way they should go. And they actually did depart from it. <laughs> so that book is uh, a book that helps parents. It's a tool that has really helped parents build those bridges during those especially straining relationship times and how to be in relationship even when things are difficult. And that's what I love about your titles and all of those topics, Lori, is that it really calls out the reality that parenting is messy. And as midlife moms, parenting adult children or young adult children um, or teens or all three at the same time, there are a lot of topics that especially in the Christian community, I don't think we talk about very well. And Mm -hmm. that's going to lead right into our topic today, which is um, mental health and especially um, anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation. So um, Lori, why don't you just start us off a little bit to tell us just a real snippet of your journey as a midlife mom with a child who um, struggled with uh, depression and suicide, and then kind of how that led into your book of Messy Hope. Yeah. So um, when my uh, daughter was in her senior year of college, she had been wrestling, I wouldn't say consistently, but but on and off, and it was starting to get more consistent with uh, depression. And she was really, really struggling. And then she had some difficult interpersonal struggles, along with a lot of pressure with being a senior and finishing up 
with college and just the intensity of all that. And she was also working as well. So she had a lot, a lot of pressure and not a lot of ways to release it and feeling, I would say, fairly misunderstood in some circumstances and really moving toward that place of being hopeless. That's a rough place to be. And then when you move into that space, you kind of lose your ability to think rationally and logically. And so your emotions kind of drive your reality. You know, she was having trouble making decisions and doing some reckless driving, uh, you know, things, things that you wouldn't typically do she was starting to do. And she had told me that she, um, I could hear it in her voice. In fact, her voice was very flat. It was a flat affect, which to me was the most frightening of all. And I could hear it in her voice that there was big trouble right around the corner. And so I made plans to drive to her school. It was a four hour drive from our home. I was gonna get there first thing that next morning. And unbeknownst to me, that was the night that she attempted to take her life. And um, even when I got there, I, I didn't know. So, um, but then things started to unfold as we were together. And I stayed with her. I rented a hotel. She and I stayed together for, for quite a while. And then um, she came back home with me. And we were trying to decide, does she finish school? Because like, who cares, right? Right. <laughs> does does she finish school or does she just, you know, stop and then just come home? And um, we, well, she made the decision, but we also felt comfortable with her going, going back with the caveat that um, I got to ask her as much as I needed to ask her, are you okay? And she had to answer. So we had that agreement that um, I I needed to check in with her. And I know that sometimes that, that bothered her, but she also understood the the need for that and why that was important. And um, and I do believe she, you know, as we went through and worked on the book, I do believe she appreciated that as well. She mentions that in the book. But the reason the book came to pass, and you know, Brenda, you're a writer too. Um, it's tough to write about this pers these personal things, these personal struggles, and sometimes you kind of like fight with God a little bit over it. You know, like, really, Lord, is this what you want me to do? Um, it was such a painful, hard time, and she had put out. This was a couple years after that particular night, this was a couple years later, she put out a blog because she wanted to help other people who were like her, um, young people who were struggling so that they knew they weren't alone. So she had asked me, so how do you get people to read your blog, mom? <laughs> and I said, well, one of the best things to do is put it on Facebook and people will read it. I should have asked her, what are you going to write it on? That would have been a smart question but I didn't think to ask that. And she put it out there and I, whoa, I read it. And even though I knew these things, it was shocking to me. 
And it was like, you know, your mother's heart gets completely ripped. Um, and then after I kind of had some time to process all of that, um, and it was very hopeful, the things that she had written and, you know, and helpful. The Lord started to press upon me, you know, you need to help parents help their kids in this situation. And I, I knew, you know, and I'd done a lot of things wrong. I'd done some things right, but I'd done some things wrong too. And I needed my daughter's perspective. Mm -hmm. So her voice is sprinkled throughout the book. And she talks about what's helpful and what's not helpful. And, um, you know, again, I am not, you know, like you, I'm not a, a therapist and um, I'm a licensed parent and family educator. And I'm a mom who cares a heck of a lot about this topic. So I really, I research very, very carefully, but it's really written from the mom, a mom's perspective. And then, you know, with my daughter's voice in there, because we really, our heart is to help families. And that's what I love about the book too, because I think, um, you know, as a therapist, I work in the counseling office with, with um, clients or with young adults who have suicidal ideation or who have depression or anxiety, but it's really the parent who is at a loss because it's, it's something that is outside of themselves, right? Like you can't control that child who has mental health issues. You, you can't fix it for them. So that is one question I wanted to ask you, how did you know um, kind of when to step in and when not. Now, obviously, you know, your short, your story that you shared was that God had just really arranged the time that when she was really needed your help the most, you were physically able to be there. But for a lot of parents who um, are watching their children struggle with depression or anxiety um, or worrying that they have um, suicidal ideation, or, or are aware of that, especially when they're over 18. Um, I think that's part of the challenge is that when kids are over, when they're, when I always say, when they, once they cross that graduation stage, when they're not a minor in your care anymore, Mm -hmm. um, sometimes over-involvement can make things more complicated and harder for this, for the child. But then when, when do parents really know when to step in? So just share a little bit of what, what your perspective is about that as a parent. Sure. Well, you know, in Messy Hope, we deal with kids who, um, for parents of kids from littles all the way through that, that young adult place. And, and when you're talking about the young adult place, as you would with any loved one, um, I think. I think that often God gives us that sense that that something isn't right and to pay attention to that and to ask the most awful questions in the world, like what you could start out small, this at least breaks the ice. (laughs) So you can start out small and say something like, um, do you know anybody who has wrestled with depression, which they'll say yes, because we all know someone. Mm-hmm. Or, or who's wrestling with anxiety? Um, do you know of anybody who has taken their life? And 
that at least gets you into the conversation. Um, it, it makes me think of how the Lord does that. He always starts small, like, who do other people say I am, right? And then he finally gets to, who do you say that I am? So he he starts small. So start small and ask, do you know people? Or, you know, what do you think about that? So start small and then move into, you know, have you wrestled with that if you don't know? Or are you wrestling with that? Um, here's a really hard question. Have you thought about taking your life? And as horrible as that sounds to verbalize, if you think that that's something that your child has thought about, I'm going to say chances are pretty good they have. Mm -hmm. And you are not going to be putting any idea into anybody's head. Um, they are, they probably have already thought and by you asking that, that opens the door. And what my daughter told me is that she said that, you know, having that question asked lifted the burden off of her for her to tell me. And and it was so much better to ask versus to not, even though it's the worst question to ask. It's it's so scary to ask that question but much worse to not ask it. And and if someone does take their life after you have asked that question, you asking the question is not the catalyst for that happening. That's a that's a, I'm so grateful that you said that because that's a common um I think myth that people think that if, if we talk about it, then it's going to put the idea in their head. And that's actually the opposite of what is true. Um it does uh I think from a child's perspective having you as a trusted parent ask that question shows the child that you have the capacity to help them. Um, because I think a lot of times kids are afraid to tell parents the depths of what's going on inside of them because they, they don't think their, their parents will be able to handle it. Or as I often talk about, you know, the freak out factor Well, you know, my mom will freak out. My dad will freak out if they really knew and from a counselor's perspective, you know, those are really the important words that we always have to ask someone with suicidal ideation because it mm -hmm. really helps to distinguish between like my problems are just so big. I don't know how to handle them. Therefore, I just want things to go away. Or do you really think about ending your life? You know, I was th I, when you were saying, you know, reasons why kids may not want to say something to their parents that they can't handle it. I also think there's another, um, an additional reason they want to protect you in, in a weird way. Yes. They don't want you to hurt. So they want, it, it's messed up thinking, obviously, but they want to protect you from the pain of you knowing that they're struggling or that they're thinking of taking their life. But yeah, so I was, that just popped into my head. So I thought I'd share that. You're, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. Um, I think kids, you know, from infancy, kids read our faces, right? Like they mirror back mm -hmm. to us, our faces. And so um, kids don't want to see their, their parents in pain. And I think that also is why they internalize so many things and keep so many things private when they're really struggling what, what encouragement do you have for moms 
who really realize that their kids are struggling, that the, the tools about questioning and starting small and, and kind of growing to those more um, in-depth questions were really spot on. Um, I purchased your book just recently in the last couple of months, I gave it to a coworker of mine uh, whose child was really struggling with some mental health issues. And it was good to hear from her. She said, oh, that book has been so helpful. Oh, what, nice. what encouragement do you have for moms whose kids are struggling with mental health needs, whether they're, whether they're minors or whether they're young adults or adult children? Yeah. One thing that we, I just want to mention one thing that we also need to be careful of before I get into that, because you had mentioned um, people in the faith community struggle with mental health issues. And boy, that that is so true, because a lot of times people will put a spin on some of these verses that you hear, have no anxiety about anything. Well, the reason that's written is because people had anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. And... Um, you know, you can think of so many of our biblical heroes who struggled with depression or anxiety. I'm quite convinced Timothy struggled with anxiety and, you know, depression. You you can hear David lament, you know, I and Job, of course, um, who wouldn't, you know. And so for us to say, well, if you had more faith, you wouldn't struggle. I think those are some things that we have to be super careful of. but. As far as like to your question, Brenda, the encouragement, I think to encourage moms and their kiddos to get help. Mm -hmm. And you've probably heard people say something like this. If you have a broken arm, you go to the doctor and you get it set and you get it fixed. Now, what about a broken heart? What about um, a broken thinking pattern? You know, we need to go and get that adjustment so that we can be healthy, we can be whole. And don't shy away from help. There's nothing shameful about it. It is a smart and a brave thing to ask for help. And we live in, you know, this Western world where we're so focused on handling it ourselves and being independent and that is not God's way for us. He wants us to rely on one another. We aren't created perfect so that we're perfectly created, right? But we're not created perfect. And so we need to be able to rely on other people that the Lord has created that might have something that could help us with. And to ask and reach out, to push that pride aside, push the fear aside, and to ask for help. And parents can ask for help for themselves, and they can also really encourage their child because there's no shame in getting help. There's no shame in going and speaking to a counselor. There's no shame if the counselor or the doctor thinks perhaps some medication is needed. There is no shame. You might need to get over a hump. Asking for help is, is something that really is we're created to ask for help, not to not ask for help. Well, and you mentioned that even in, in when you were sharing about the, um, your previous title of messy parenting of the interdependence. And I know I s hear from a lot of, uh, midlife moms, especially who, who somehow carry a sense of 
guilt and shame or blame or judgment when their children aren't doing well. And, mm-hmm. um, that, that saddens me. I know for myself, I experienced that with some things we went through one of our kids several years ago. Um, and that kind of prompted me to kind of start my own blog life beyond the picket fence. Um, because in the Christian world, you kind of look around and there's kind of this, this unwritten message that says, look at my children who are doing well, they were a reflection of me and my parents (laughs) didn't do well. And so then I think the opposite is also true. When our children aren't doing well, then we tend to take on ownership for that. When, as you mentioned, I think as parents, we all acknowledge that we have failed probably miserably in several areas in parenting. Um, And yet we can't be fully responsible for our children's mental health also. What, what thoughts do you have about that? Oh, that's good. Yeah. Boy, we want to own everything. (laughs) And so good to start, you know, as soon as you can start saying, talking to the kids about them owning their successes and them owning their failures and keeping yourself out of the whole business rather than saying, wow, you really take after me because you're musically inclined. Let the child maybe own that. Like, wow, this is really great. You know, we share an interest, you know, rather than they have a musical talent because they got it from you. I think if we stop stop owning their successes, perhaps we can stop owning their struggles too. And um and be able to encourage that responsibility. And, you know, when when parents are raising their kids so often, again, back to the interdependence and independence, we think we have to raise our kids to be independent, which of course lies in the face of how we are created. But what I think we mean to say is we want to raise responsible children. And when we raise responsible children, those children own successes and failures. And through those failures, that is really where we learn the most. And we also gain a sense of perseverance and resiliency. Um, And those are some qualities that are really important to build up in our kids because life is not going to go easy. There's going to be great successes and there's going to be some great challenges And in John 16, 33, Jesus tells us, um, in this world, you will have trouble. He tells it to us straight. That's the truth. In this world, you will have trouble. He doesn't leave us there, though. Take heart. I have overcome the world. So there's the the hope. The realistic piece is, yeah, you're going to have some hard things. This so struck me when I was... um, prepare, you know, when I was going through all of the research for Messy Hope, it so struck me that kids really need realism more than they need positivity. Amen. And I was so surprised by that because I thought, well, you know, if we put this positive spin on it, they'll have a different set of eyes. And and that isn't wrong, but it isn't fully right either, you know, and What they also need to hear is that in this world, you are going to have trouble Mm -hmm. and things aren't going to go the way you want them to do to go. Even if you've done it exactly right there, 
a number of kids that I know that have applied for colleges who have really thought that they were going to get into the college of their choice because they had excelled and they had graduated with various honors and so forth. And they, for whatever reason, were not accepted and they were fully devastated, mm-hmm. but they did it right, but it still didn't work out. So then what mm-hmm. we, you know, we need perseverance. We need resiliency. We need to be able to accept what might be even considered rejection mm-hmm. um, and understand what to do with that. Um, there's a, there's a great line that says, Rather than say, you know, what if, you know, what if I fail? What if I don't get into this particular college? Turn it around and say, even if, even if I don't get into this particular college, I can still. So that there's, it's it's a more empowering statement. It's not um, one that's defeating it's empowering. So to train your kids to think, even if this fear is realized, I can still and help them so that they can process life from a little different perspective. I think that's spot on. I think that's a great place for us to wrap up this conversation. I wish we could talk um, even more about this because, um, you just really touched on a topic that I think is so incredibly um, underemphasized, that idea of realism versus positivism. Um, I think it's a core root of anxiety because kids, I I hear from so many um, kids and from uh, especially teens and young adults that I've counseled through the years that they're, they're just so afraid even to take that first step because success to them, it's, it's kind of an all or nothing. And we, we have forgotten. It's almost like a whole generation has forgotten how to live in the middle, which is really where I think our parents and grandparents lived. Um, Lori, can you tell us where listeners can find you and can find um, more of your resources? We want to encourage everyone to Go out and purchase Messy Hope, if not for yourself, for a friend who may need even just that gentle acknowledgement. You know, I think sometimes as friends of parents whose children are struggling with things and therefore the parent is struggling with with their family, you know, with what is something out of their control, sometimes we don't know what to say, but um, what I would really encourage everyone is to get one of Lori's books, um, Messy Hope, and to share that with a friend to say, I may not know what you're going through, but this is a really good resource. And I want you to know that I care. Lori, where can um, our listeners connect with you? Sure. Thanks for asking, Brenda. So they can go to my website, Lori, L-O-R-I, Wildenberg, W-I-L-D-E-N-B-E-R-G, LoriWildenberg.com. Um, if actually, I, this just popped into my head, if they go to LoriWildenberg.com slash resiliency, um, I've got 10 ways to strengthen your kiddos' resiliency that might be helpful for your listeners. Um, very practical, easily implemented. So LoriWildenberg.com slash resiliency, and um, that will pop up for you. So find me on the on the website on my website, but also as Brenda knows, I'm all over social media. 
So you can find me on Facebook. Also, um, I lead the Moms Together group and um, Moms Together community page. So um, our group is highly interactive and um, we want to be in an encouraging and faith-filled place. And you are, and I had the privilege to be um, one of the mentor moms there a few years ago. Yes, um, you are such a great addition. I'm sad to see you go. <laughs> I know. I wrote a book about balanced busyness and not doing it all. And um, <laughs> and, and honestly, I, I think I um, relinquished that, um, that commitment right before um, my dad died. I think it was right before, I think it was right during COVID right before my dad died, or maybe it was the fall right before COVID happened. And as Lori, Lori and I were chatting um, right before we were recording this, how quickly life has changed. And my own life as a midlife mom, she has morphed and changed through the pandemic, but just reiterating that um, as moms, we need communities. We need other places where we can connect with midlife moms and, um, encourage one another through, through the hard things that our kids struggle with. And Lori, you are such a great mentor. You're such a great encourager. I love how direct you are with parents about things, how honest you are with parents about things, but also with this gentle and encouraging spirit. We want to, um, just encourage our listeners to, um, connect with Lori um, connect with her book, Messy Hope. And uh, we look forward to seeing all of you listeners here um, again on the Midlife Moms podcast. So you can join our community also, the Midlife Moms community group on Facebook. And we just encourage all of you to encourage one another and to reach out to other moms. Thanks so much for joining us today, Lori. Thank you for having me. It's been a blessing.